0: I need to get better, please make me better. I want to get better, better, better acquainted with you. Hello, my name's Dave and I'm the person who puts this stuff together. And welcome to this year's Getting Better Acquainted New Year's special, which is a kind of thing I do every year since I went freelance, where I record my roundup of the last year and my intentions or resolutions for the next year in a kind of relatively rambling monologue, hopefully not too rambling. I'm actually hoping for this one to be quite a short episode, but I am not very good at talking in a short way so we shall see how that goes it's a bit of a weird new year for me because normally i spend new year thinking a lot about my past year and thinking a lot about what i'd like to do the next year and i have been doing some of that but I've also kind of felt like the ritual of passing from one year to the next hasn't quite been something I've been able to do in the same way that I normally would this year. Things have felt a little bit rushed and also I started the new year on New Year's Day which was yesterday I started that with uh, working on something uh, with my partner Jen and exciting something that I can't really talk about. We spent the day in a, in what we call an adventure day where we go out walking and exploring but we were also doing so whilst workshopping uh, ideas for a project and writing them down every time we stopped and so I feel like I've, I've hit this year running, in fact I feel like I'm I'm already running and that's a strange feeling to have because normally at this time of year I feel like I'm more hibernating and waiting for things to start but this year things have started from day one and this is day two and I'm recording uh, an episode of a podcast as you can hear and then it you know it doesn't stop Uh, quite exciting things happening in January uh, for me in lots of different ways a few things that I can talk about and and some that I can't But definitely January is a much more busy, much more kind of uh, focused time than it has traditionally been for me. Although that said, I've often hit the ground running after New Year full of like hopes and intentions, but never quite as fast as this time, I think. I think that's what's making me a little bit off balance. That said, balance is something that I feel like I've got a lot more of in 2017 on a personal level I mean let's face it this roundup is really going to be about me and where I am uh, at the moment in my life and it's not really kind of related to the wider political uh, landscape that I am also a part of I mean that if I was to round that up for for this year, I mean, I don't feel like anyone needs a roundup of that. I feel like it's in our faces all the time and it's terrible in general. And we need to try and collectively do something about that. But at the same time, uh, I'm a freelancer with not very much money and I'd also need to look after myself and in a way this last year whilst it's been terrible on a political level it hasn't been that terrible for me uh, on a personal level although it has been quite bad in terms of me being a freelancer me making money I think I've probably made the least amount of money this year uh, than I have since I went freelance and that's meant that I enter this new year struggling to kind of stay afloat financially but with a different outlook on my life and on the process of struggling to stay afloat financially. I had 20 weeks of therapy on the NHS in 2017 and I found that process actually really good and really useful. It meant that I looked at myself uh, in different ways than I had before. I feel like that's one of the things that's giving me more balance uh, at this point. I'm not used to having balance yet. It feels a little strange um, to not be in this kind of constant state of worry and anxiety anxiety and I'm still unlearning some of that it's not easy it doesn't go completely in a, a click of of some fingers and certainly I'm not saying that therapy has solved all of my problems both external and internal but I got a lot out of it I learned to kind of stop seeing myself as someone who had no agency um, that I am not a complete hostage to fortune I can make different decisions I don't have to remain where I am tied in by responsibilities and by worries and by hopes because hopes can tie you down too you know I'm in London trying to make it and uh, I could just keep trying to make it mechanically robotically because we're told that if you just hope for something if you just try for something if you just work for something for long enough you'll get it but I might not get it and so the act of keeping myself in that stasis is taking away my own agency it's stopping me from thinking of alternative ways that my life might be my therapist often observed that I feel like I'm a hostage to fortune that I'm waiting for a good thing or a bad thing to happen but I have no power over those things and when they happen I just have to react to them um, and that is how I've learned to be that ha- is how I've been um, particularly like more and more as the years have gone on as a freelancer as I've got more and more paralysed by fear but that's that's not the only approach that you can take I don't have to see everything with such high stakes there's a taking away of responsibility that comes with that like I'm not taking responsibilities for the choices that I've made for the fact that I have chosen to live in London I don't have to live in London that is not something that's been forced upon me I've chosen many of the things that make up my life. Obviously outside things also happen and circumstances and all of those kinds of things but ultimately I've chosen many of the things that make up my life and I have the power to choose different things and try different approaches. Part of that kind of realisation also came not just through therapy but also through my sister and my family and me uh, sitting down and having a kind of conversations about my dad, who is, is currently got dementia. 2017 was a year that began with me in a role where I was seeing my dad every day, I was the main sibling that was responsible for seeing him and he's got dementia, he's also kind of with that dementia got depression and uh, suicidal ideation and you know the things that come with not being happy uh, with your brain and the way that your brain is and that's been a very complicated process for me to be a part of and witness partly because i also have depression and certainly uh in t- 2016 and 2017 my mind has been very fixated quite often on death and the idea of dying so that's been a complicated thing for me to navigate but what happened this year was you know it was said to me that i didn't need to be the one that was there for my dad and that that responsibility whether I placed it on my shoulders or it was placed by other people both those other people and myself now feel like it's time that you know I'm 36 years old all of my siblings are older than me all of them are more financially stable than me Um, and I'm still trying to find a way of making my life work and it would be a strange decision for us all to decide that I'm the one who's going to keep with my dad uh, at this stage when everybody else has got the things that I have not yet found a way to get and and that's not being expected of me and so that has allowed me to kind of stop being such a hostage to fortune and it's allowed me to think about alternatives. I don't have to stay in London to look after my dad. That is something that frees me in lots of ways. One of the things that I learn in therapy is that even though I make things that contain a lot of emotion and reflection even though I do true storytelling I make solo shows about myself I write about myself I uh, share a lot of myself not just in my art but also in conversation that has led me to believe that I'm somebody who is self-aware and in touch with my feelings. And one of the things that I discovered through therapy is that those things aren't true. I'm, I've got some self-awareness. I'm not saying I don't, although self-awareness can also be a bit of a trap or, a, or a, an unpleasant quality to have. Uh, it's not kind of a good enlightened thing necessarily. It's how you use that self-awareness, which is also the same with being empathetic with other people, I think. Uh, that can allow you to uh, sit with someone and uh, help them through their pain but it can also allow you to say the thing that will hurt them the most in the moment so it's it's easy to think of, of some of the qualities that I'm associated with of being purely positive but they're not same with honesty and, and openness and all of these kind of things that can be said about me and are kind of true about me they're not untrue but at the same time there's a there's an equal truth which is that even though that's the case, I still don't really understand how I'm feeling in a given moment. And that I don't always know uh, myself very well, but I am quite good at coming up with arguments intellectual arguments, emotional arguments, uh, creative arguments, whatever but like arguments that convince me and possibly sometimes other people uh, of different realities than I'm actually feeling. Like I can rationalize very well. I can kind of pick things apart in a way that actually avoids looking at what's actually going on on a fundamental level. Um, So I'm not that in touch with my feelings. And that's something I'm trying to learn to be better at connecting with. I'm someone who can cry very easily when watching a piece of art, but I can never cry on my own. I'm a, a person who makes a show about masculinity that argues for the importance of people crying and of, of of tears being something that we shouldn't be ashamed of and that we should do freely and I believe that but I don't really know how to access my emotions in that way like I'm always looking at myself rather than being in my own body feeling my feelings Apart from, you know, when I'm on stage or, you know, when I'm talking into a microphone or things like that, those are the things that allow me to connect with things. And I'm trying to learn to do that in a way that isn't performative and isn't uh, about an exchange with someone else. I'm, I'm, I'm looking to find a way of doing that for myself and, and be, you know, within my own emotions. And another thing that I've been trying to do in through therapy, is, I've been encouraged to do is to kind of sit with my past self. Like sit with the emotions that I'm getting that are coming from my childhood and just feel them for what they are rather than explain them away with all of my adult understanding of why, why the things happen to me. Like the bigger picture, how everybody else slotted into that, all of those things. I'm very good at looking at that, but I'm very bad at just feeling sad. Or feeling guilty or feeling shameful, and just letting that feeling exist and then letting it pass like i 'm so quick to try and explain it away to to justify it to, uh, to to minimize it that that it actually makes it have more control over me it 's a strange thing that i that i wasn 't aware of this year. I also performed my show about masculinity, and I did that in university settings. uh, And when I did that, you know, I was reading out words to an audience that I've said loads and loads and loads of times before, but I was only really understanding them fully for the first time then, which is strange because I wrote those words. Something that my uh, therapist also, you know, said to me, is that it's very common for humans to have their politics be much further advanced than their actual behaviour, and that's definitely something that's very true of me. And and another thing that came out of therapy, you know, was that I'm I'm quite liable to resent other people for my own decisions because I often feel like I have no choice but to agree with them or to do what they want me to do because I don't like other people feeling bad like something I learned to do as a child is to try and make other people feel better to try and make different people get on with each other who are in conflict to try and resolve. And I learned to fear being judged. And I particularly learned that, you know, when I went to secondary school and was was bullied in a quite an extreme way, like that was all about judgment. And I'm really always afraid of being judged. And uh, so saying no to people when they want me to do things, is something that I find really hard to do. But then I end up resenting those people and the activities that they are asking me to do when really it was my decision and I could have said no. And I need to learn to be able to say no more. And I'm trying to do that in this new year, but I also need to learn that when I say yes, that's me that said yes. So if it doesn't work out, you know, if anyone, if I'm going to get annoyed with anyone, it should be with myself. So Therapy has put me in a very different kind of place and it's allowed me to see my life a little bit differently. And so going into 2018, I'm going to try and make some big changes. I've got some big plans because the thing is, I don't have children. Me and my partner don't have children. We don't want children. We can't have children. I've had uh, a vasectomy, so I can't have children. And uh, coincidentally, nor can my partner. We don't want kids. And we're not having kids. We don't have loads of privilege in terms of maybe the UK, but we have a lot of privilege in a global sense. My partner's working a low paid job and I'm struggling to get by as a freelancer. But we do have the ultimate privilege of If everything doesn't work out, if we lose money, we are not going to end up homeless like so many people do. And increasingly in this horrible culture and country and state that we live in, more and more people are becoming homeless. More and more people are struggling. And so we're super privileged in that respect. But because we have that privilege and we don't have anyone depending on us, we can afford to take risks. We've learned not to take risks, we're afraid of taking risks and that often means that we make compromises and we struggle in ways that we maybe shouldn't or we have done in the past, hopefully we won't do in the future. So we have this situation where we're we're acting as if everything could completely disintegrate at any second but if things did disintegrate it would be much less bad than it is for many people uh, there is fa- there are family there are friends there are people who would bail us out and we have we're both white we're both relatively middle class like the generation above us kind of squandered a lot of that inherited privilege uh, but there is some inheritance coming to us from our family backgrounds not enough to necessarily get a home you know one of the problems is trying to work out what we can actually do with an amount of money that's Bigger than anything that we have ever had before, but at the same time is not quite as big as would be kind of viable to get by as a kind of standard, relatively middle class person in this in this country. So it's, it's a complicated thing to decide what to do with, you know, Jen's actual inheritance and my potential inheritance that my mum is like, well, you can have early if you need it um but again that's something that does give us some potential we can try and work out some things to do that are different from our situation we can try and use some of that to improve our situation we don't want to obviously waste that one time only opportunity to kind of invest in a way that might help our situation but at the same time we can think about how to do that and that's one of the things we're looking to do this year i mean the thing is since I was 15 years old I've been trying to make it as an artist right I've been as a writer as a podcaster as a playwright as a musician uh, I've, I've had lots and lots of things that I've tried to become successful at and be paid for and it's not like that work hasn't paid off massively in loads of different ways like even the projects I've done that have not gone anywhere have given me amazing life experiences and have developed my craft. Everything that I've done has been useful. Um, and over time, things have paid off. You know, I've I've got some profile now. There are some potential projects that I'm uh, talking with people about now that are quite exciting and, and, and might end up with me being in, in better circumstances. It's also true to say, though, that even when you start to be successful, in inverted commas, what does that even mean? Like, It's great for my CV that I did a thing for Radio 4 but the thing is that thing paid me £300 which is a pretty good thing to be paid really uh, for the work that involved but that's a one-off payment. It doesn't actually help and there are lots of novelists who are out there who are publishing novels but those novels don't really make enough money for them to give up their day jobs. Like let's be realistic about what that might mean you can have a massive massive twitter following for example and still not be making any money from that like success is a complicated thing it's it's much more nuanced and complicated than we often think it is and since i was 15 i've been like working along this kind of learnt myth that goes around in the arts. And it's not just in the arts, I guess. It's across the whole of society. It's, it's, it's something that I politically am very against. It's the American dream. It's the, you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's all of that stuff. But I've been buying into that idea that if I just keep working, then one day, it's, got, it's almost a very religious thing. Like the, the, there'll be this heaven where all of the work that I've done will suddenly be seen and recognised and will reach the people that I want it to reach and will pay me enough to have a basically good life. I mean, I don't even want to be rich and famous. Those are not things that I've been working for. But in a way, that's even more of a reason to kind of suspect this myth that I've been working along because as far as I do understand it, you know, there is no such thing as an overnight success. Most overnight successes have been working really, really, really hard for years and years and years and, years and then are suddenly successful. But the other thing is, you know, that the, the fame and fortune might come. And would that necessarily be good? That it will have good things and bad things about it, like certainly... The money would be useful initially, although I hope that I would get rid of uh, any income above, you know, the basics for me to live a a nice life. Um, I don't want to be kind of really wealthy. I don't politically believe people should be really wealthy. But, you know, fame is a big cost. Like one of the things that I like about my life now is that I'm not recognised on the street that I don't get Twitter swarms destroying me. So this idea that if I just work hard and then it'll all be great, like both sides of that is nonsense. Success might not pay and success might not be fun, but also it might not come. Like whatever success means, that might not be something that I achieve. So maybe I need to start thinking about what success is in a different way. I'm trying now to think more about what will make me happy now not what will pay off brilliantly for me in the future what do i need now and ironically the things that i need now are also the things that sustain my creative interests and and passions like i need more space outside of the maelstrom of, of social media and work stress. I need contemplation time. I need to read. I need to kind of let my mind be in different spaces. That is something that improves the work that I do. And in fact, that's something that I learned in 2017. I went to the west of Ireland on a writing retreat back at the beginning of August Uh, me and my partner and the rest of my writing group went on it and what I learned when I was there apart from getting a lot of writing on a project that I'm very proud of that I finished later that year done um, that I'll go into in a bit more detail later on I also remembered what it's like to be not in London Remembered what it's like to be in a place where sound isn't constant, where there's actual silence, where when you look at the sky, there's actual darkness at night. Being outside of that London place that I love. I mean, I love London, although lots of things are about how London is changing, I hate, so it's complicated. I remembered what it was like to have that space. And also, I've started to want somewhere of my own like home has not been something that's been that important to me over my life it's important to my partner but it's not been something that's important to me but I've been renting from my sister for a long time now and that's a different kind of renting than it is renting from a a landlord and there are lots of issues with landlords and politically you know there's a lot of problems with landlords um but you know, personally, it's hard to to rent from somebody who's your older sister. That dynamic of somebody else having control over your life, that's, Something that maybe, yeah, I've projected on her a bit, but some of that has also been true. And so one of the things that I realised in in Ireland is I wanted to be free from that. I wanted to be free to make my own mistakes uh, and to kind of take my own risks um, and not be indebted to anybody else if I can possibly help it. Although we live in capitalism, so that's a pretty tough thing to do. Some of the things that I've been doing have not been making me happy. But I've been doing them because I felt that I I had to do them because we need the money. And the question is, you know, do we need the money? Can we find different ways to make money for a start? But secondly, do we need to live in London where it's expensive? Can we move somewhere else where it isn't expensive? And would that mean that then maybe I could get a part time job rather than doing things that make me unhappy uh, to make money? I want to try to get paid to make the art that I do and if I can't get paid to make the art that I want to do I want to make the art that I want to do and get my money from somewhere else. So I've decided that I'm going to spend the first six months of uh, 2018 trying really hard to get paid to make the stuff that I make anyway. To find people who will pay me to do projects that I pitch to them, find ways to do my solo show more, to just basically focus on my stuff rather than doing stuff for other people. That means that I gave up doing Smut Slam, which is a brilliant storytelling night uh, around sex that that Cameron Moore. Uh, created and I was co-producing in 2017 that night was amazing every one of those nights was amazing and people should look out for them in the future wherever they are they're an international night Uh, Cameron's currently in Berlin so that's where you can catch her hosting the nights but there are other hosts around the world and you can find out more about Smart Slam and everything that Cameron does by following her on Facebook that's the best way to follow her but she also has a website Cameron Moore. Dot com, So people should follow that and that was a brilliant night and I met some amazing people through that night and I, I had some amazing experiences of sharing stories in this amazing way that happens at True Storytelling that is always brilliant um, and I don't th- think that the nights were bad at all, they were really great but I do regret agreeing to do that night because along with that One night of really great stuff comes a lot of stress, a lot of admin, a lot of extra work. And also, you know, with a night that's a live night, you can't have a guaranteed income. And you have to think about all of these other things that kind of make me feel morally compromised. Like Slam is £10 on the door. That's Cameron's choice and I totally support it. But I can't afford to go to somebody's night that's £10. So it seems quite strange to be running a night that costs £10. Like I want to make art that's cheap and accessible uh, for people and that made me feel morally compromised. I want to make sure that I'm paying performers who come in to judge the night I feel complicated about being connected with sponsorship in a kind of direct way Um, I feel kind of weird about competition and the night is a competition like all of these things that work really well for other people and I think there are so many different choices that we can make and the format that Cameron has made is such an impressive format like having run that night with her and for her, I can see that it works like a kind of clockwork machine that is absolutely perfectly put together, and it's it's an amazing thing. But it's not my thing, and so to to do not my thing with all of these extra concerns like, am I doing it in the spirit of what Cameron wants? Uh, what about how does the host feel? How does the audience feel? How do the judges feel? That brings out everything that I was talking about of trying to make everybody happy. Like one of the things that, Used to be said about me when I ran the uh, variety night called Stand Up Tragedy for quite a few years. People in the team used to call me the mother. Uh, That was the joke. Like, I was the mother, and my friend Liz was the father of the group because she was kind of strict and uh, authoritarian. And I was trying to make everybody happy and making sure everybody was okay and like worrying about everybody like a mother hen. Um, And, you know, that was quite a funny joke in some ways because it kind of skewed gender stuff. But but in some ways it reinforces that gender stuff. Let's not let's not pretend it doesn't. But the other thing is about that is that that, that isn't a good thing to be necessarily someone who's worrying about everybody and trying to put other people's needs above their own like that's an unhealthy dynamic it's not good for anybody to not have their own lives to not like put their own needs as, as important within the dynamic and making everybody happy is an impossible thing to do and so you know by saying yes to doing that I basically said yes to a hell of a lot of stress and anxiety and like all of my triggers um, and so I want to learn to not put myself in that position again and also that I just don't need the stress of live shows uh, unless uh unless there's money coming from them that isn't kind of dependent on finding that audience like the work of finding an audience is hard and I have never mastered that craft and that's a craft that I've been trying to master for a long time and I have no idea why sometimes you get a big audience and sometimes you don't but What I do know is that for the time being, I don't want that problem to be on my list. I've got enough problems just trying to get an audience for my digital work, let alone for other people's creative work or for community events, because that's kind of one of the things that Smart Slam or Spark or True Storytelling Nights are in general. They're community events. They're created uh, by the communities that are there. They're hosted by people who are facilitating the audiences to be part of the story. And it's really important for communities to have people who provide those kind of events, but I don't think that that's necessarily my natural skill set. And I don't have to step up to the plate. There are plenty of brilliant people stepping up to the plate and we should support their nights. And I'm not giving up Spark, by the way. That isn't something that I run. Other people produce that. I just turn up and I host. I'm losing uh, the extra income of recording uh, one night of Spark every Month So with Smutslam and with Spark off the list, my guaranteed monthly regular income is now 450 and my rent is 800. So I am obviously in a situation where I need to get more work, but I'm also not going to worry as much about saying no to work, even though that may sound counterintuitive, because what I learned from last year is the best possibilities that came up, for me the best opportunities came from following the things that I care about and doing them really well and then people come to me and want that stuff and that's been the best stuff so sometimes it feels like you have to say yes to everything but it might be that that means you lose money more in the in the the big picture so I'm going to be looking for short quick jobs that I can do like I'm on a group which gives tape sync stuff which apparently is turning up with my microphone and recording one half of a conversation someone in a different part of the world is having with them and then sending that over to that person so I'm looking to do that kind of in-and-out radio work, Um, but I'm also looking to do more of my solo shows in universities, in other places. So if you're interested in me doing that, do reach out to me. So the solo show is called What About the Men? Mansplaining Masculinity, and it's a kind of storytelling show and polemic, and it has references to kind of feminist theory and internet memes and all sorts of things, and it's kind of interrogating masculinity, like how I have hurt people as a result of being raised within a patriarchy and how uh, I have been hurt by being raised within a patriarchy. Like both of those sides is what that show focuses on. It's a really good show for university audiences because it talks about consent and it talks about socialization and it talks about being bullied and it talks about all sorts of issues that, you know, young people face and, and need to think about. Uh, and it's addressed to men, uh all genders can can watch it can listen to it and it is available as a free podcast but i want to do that show more um i've done it a few times last year in university settings i'm going to be doing it in chester university at the end of next week um so if you're in the chester area do come along to that and i'm going to be doing it in edinburgh uh, towards the end of january i'm going to be doing that in a very different setting i'm going to be doing that in a kind of uh in, in a space that It's dedicated to to, uh, people who don't have homes or who have who have uh, economic struggle. uh, And it's going to be talking, you know, to men uh, in a very different kind of circumstance than the men uh, that I talk to when I when I go to universities. If you do want that show, then do let me know. I'm looking to do it in as many places as possible. And obviously, every time I do that show, I get some extra income and that might help me to cover my rent. The other big projects that I did last year were starting the second season, because we're only halfway through it, of The Family Tree, which is a magical realist podcast fiction about identity, belonging, family, change, belief, all sorts of things. It's a really great show. We make it in a really unique way, which is partially improvised and people only know certain things in the cast and it's kind of a co-creation between each performer and me and my partner Jen who make the show it's got a really great story that I don't really want to go into it's best if you just go in on episode one and and find out where it goes but it goes to to, to very different places than you might expect initially and it's in the form of conversations like getting better acquainted and it, in fact it is a spin-off from Getting Better Acquainted, but it is entirely fictional, unlike Getting Better Acquainted. I play the character of me in that show, but I'm incredibly proud of what we've done with The Family Tree. It's Everything that I'd hoped it would be and more. Like it feels like it creates itself and that we're just kind of almost its caretakers getting it out into the world. But it's also something that we've worked incredibly hard at. It does bring in a little bit of income, but that income only really covers some of the costs uh, that go out. So it's not really self sustainable yet. But if you want to help it to become self sustainable, then Uh, you can sign up to our Patreon account and help us to increase that income. The other big project that I talked about starting when I was in the West of Ireland was a series of personal essays about my relationship with my dad and my dad's relationship with ageing, which were called Down to a Sunless Sea Memories of My Dad. And that series went out on Medium. You can find it all on Medium Again, I'm incredibly proud of those pieces of writing. Not very many people have read them comparatively to many of my other projects. Very few eyes have fallen compared to the ears that fall on my podcasts. So I really would recommend and direct you to, to reading those, those pieces. And I, I hope to kind of do more with them in the future. So if anybody's interested in, in talking to me about that, again, reach out and get in contact. Normally, I kind of listen back to all of my old New Year's shows. This year, I haven't had the time or, to be honest, the inclination. Like, I'm really not in a a backward-looking period of my life. I'm really looking quite forward. I feel like I've spent 2017 looking back, working out what the hell is going on with me, with my life, with how I fit with the world around me. Regardless of whether it's true or not, I feel happier and more balanced now and and whether that's going to prove to be you know like I'll look back in a few years and go you know I was just fooling myself and 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 and, and not worrying as much as I should have been doing and oh my god or whatever um and that could happen I, I accept that's a possibility but like it doesn't that doesn't really affect me now. Like I'm actually, I've, I mean, I've never been this happy on the second day of January that, that I can think of. I mean, maybe when I was a child, but I mean, I'm, I'm in a much better place than I can ever remember being at the start of a year Um, even though you know I try to hit the ground running in my new years generally and I do try to kind of be reflective and as I said earlier on I don't feel like I've had the time to do the kind of ritual sort of thinking and uh, list making and all of that sort of stuff and I normally would at new year this year at the same time I, I, I just feel more grounded Um, which is a super weird thing for me to be saying. I mean, certainly, you know, anybody who's not feeling grounded, uh, listen back to my previous ones because I've definitely not felt grounded on many of these New Year podcasts. I'm ready as well to, like, put down some roots to find a home, to find a place uh, for me. Like, I I guess I feel like I'm allowed one, that I don't have to live like a kind of art monk. I don't have to always put... Art first. Uh, I can just, in my life, find space to kind of enjoy the world a bit I'm 36 and how much more life have I got left and how many more of those years will be happy years and can I make some of them happy maybe I can maybe this idea that I'm not allowed to try and find happiness in my life that I'm not someone worthy of that for whatever reason there's loads of reasons I've talked about them in therapy I don't necessarily want to go into them here but at the same time like I'm allowed to try and have a bit of uh, happiness to 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 do that sort of thing and and i 've also you know I think I do a lot of activism with my art too and I'm going to continue to do that and when I have more money if I ever do have more money I will absolutely support more activism with that money and I will go uh, when I have more time and I'm less precarious I will get involved in more direct action. This is a time when we need to get active as I've said earlier on in my view but at the same time um, you know there are lots of forms of activism and I, I still do find ways to push back against the things that I, I, I are all around all of us as much as I can. It doesn't mean I can't also look for things that nourish me. Like, I'm allowed to do that. Um, it's taken me a long time to feel that way. And so I'm sorry if I'm saying something that you're like, well, obviously you're allowed to do that. Everybody's allowed to do that. I, I agree with you, um, but I did not feel that I was allowed to do that nevertheless even though I think everybody's allowed. It's complicated. It's been a strange year to do my show about masculinity. At the beginning of last year, I felt like that show was almost irrelevant. The, uh, with Trump and Pence in the White House, with uh, Brexit, all of these things, I was like, why the hell am I talking about kind of trying to get men to look at how they're affected and how they affect others through The influence of patriarchy. But this year, you know, Weinstein happened. And after Weinstein, so many more people who have done terrible, terrible things because they have power and because they've been socialized by patriarchy. Uh, more and more of those people have been thrust into the light finally, and more and more justice or some sense of justice or at least being listened to has happened for the the, the victims and survivors of, of those men and th- Just generally speaking we 're talking about rape culture like I, I wish we were talking about it on a more of a structural level in some ways, like it, it, it certainly is being very personalized, which is not to say that i 'm saying that any of those individuals shouldn't be held to account. And I'm certainly not advocating that victims or survivors try and forgive the people who've hurt them. Absolutely not. It's been a complicated time for many survivors and myself included. I've found, you know, big chunks of this year to be incredibly, incredibly triggering. And the complexity of of being triggered by all of these kind of um, revelations about sexual uh, assault and sexual violence and rape uh, when you're a survivor who is a cis man is you have like both sides of that guilt come to you like the kind of triggeredness of your own survival but also the reminder of all of the things that you've done that have contributed to that culture so it's been a kind of double edged sword I guess but it's definitely been a time that I felt that doing that show was important the that suddenly that you know yes it needs to be said because look at how much of an issue rape culture is how much of an issue toxic masculinity and patriarchy is like these things are so ingrained they're ingrained within that Trump, Pence, White House—they're ingrained within Brexit, and of course, you know, not just uh, patriarchy, but also white supremacy and heteronormativity, and all of these different forces are ingrained within it. Like that's what my show says. This is the kiriarchy, the uh, the collective noun for structural oppressions. So, like, that's the time to be doing that show, and so I want to do it as much as possible. in the next few years and it's been interesting to go from thinking it was almost irrelevant to realizing that it was absolutely relevant and that this idea that oh we've got to throw away these identity politics because there's bigger issues is ridiculous because All politics are identity politics in some senses. And of course, class issues are important, but Brexit is about identity politics. Trump is about identity politics. The rise of fascism is the rise of a certain kind of identity politic. And it's interesting that I nearly fell into that trap, a trap that many times I've advocated against falling into. Uh, You're just not safe from these messages even if you know about them. And, you know, it's been a complicated year for me in moral terms. Like, my sources of income... Were morally questionable. The Picture House, where I do Spark, was went on strike. There was a boycott. I think the Ritzy Cinema sacked all of their trade union leaders, which is an absolutely unforgivable thing to do. And I'm not going to make any bones about that. At the same time, for various reasons, the Spark London team chose not to move away from the Picture House. And you know, there are many great things about a Spark London night, regardless of the industrial dispute element so it's been a complicated time for me around that like I felt very guilty around that I haven't been able to act completely on my own politics on that and I I hope that in the future the, the picture house improves on that stuff um, and I hope that in the future I will be in a place where I can do more about it in those moments Um, judge me however you like I've certainly judged myself pretty badly so anything you want to say to me about that I may have already been saying to myself quite a lot of times so that's up to you but I wanted to acknowledge that that's been a a complexity that I've been grappling with just as smart slam prices were a complexity that I was grappling with and just as uh, the issues that Patreon had near the end of the year and previously in the year when they uh, decided that they might chuck all sex workers off their site. I think most people I know who do sex writing or sex work um, are still able to keep their Patreon accounts. But, you know, I hope that that's the case for everyone because it's pretty terrible of Patreon to try and kick off sex workers from their platform. So I've only been making a small amount of money and yet all of that money has felt dirty and like that's one of the reasons why I've sort of thought why am I doing this why 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 am I not trying to do more things that I believe in and if I can't make money in ways that I believe in if I can't do projects that I really want to do then I probably would be happier having a salary on top of the the compromised stuff, there has been something that hasn't been compromised. I've absolutely never compromised in my feelings about the Restart Project, which is a social enterprise that is dedicated to changing people's relationship with the things that they own, like... Gadgets and stuff like that to making things more sustainable our attitude to to technology more sustainable looking at improving the world in that way I've learnt so much by working with Restart over the years I hope to keep working with Restart in the future it's really hard in some ways to do it because they can't afford to pay me that much but this year, 2017 we did finally find a balance a way of making it so that I was mostly being paid for the work that I was doing I wasn't doing extra work and we kind of managed to make a much better kind of production line for creating the episodes again I'm very proud of them you can find the Restart Project podcast on iTunes please listen back to the to the work that I've done this year Uh, Restart has opened my mind in loads of different directions and educated me over the years like I now know some stuff about the issues around restart I haven't learned any practical skills uh, because I've often been holding a microphone and so I have seemed to have managed to fail to learn any practical skills but I know a lot more about the issues that restart look at and that's been really great for me Uh, though the restart project again is going to go through some changes I think going into this new year so I think that we'll see we might have to revisit that discussion about A production line that is making the work easier. Um, I hope that it remains easy to do the work that I do for Restart because I love Restart and I need the income so I can't say no to Restart uh, no matter what because they are really my only income. Uh, apart from £50 from Spark. Another thing that happened this year was the 300th episode of Getting Better Acquainted. That happened ages ago. It feels like forever ago. It was also the year that I introduced a strand of Getting Better Acquainted called GBA Replayed, where I revisit the episodes from the first two years or so, the first 100 episodes. One thing I've discovered about the six years ago, maybe seven years ago now, because I started Getting Better Acquainted in 2011, that version of me... I'm not too keen on him. I've changed a lot since then, so I don't feel like that's a review on me. And certainly when I've been sitting with my past selves in therapy, I've been sitting with my child self, I've been sitting with my teen self, I've been sitting with my 20s self, who I thought was much more together, but I've come to realise was absolutely fucked up and didn't know he was fucked up, so he was the worst kind of being fucked up. I've been sitting with those people. I'm sure a time will come where I can sit with my late 20s, early 30s version of myself. But that time is not quite there yet. Like when I listen back, all I really do hear is me being wrong about a lot of things. And going into 2018, which is literally going to be as terrible politically and globally as 2017, maybe even worse, it is a tension and a strangeness to be saying that I feel better than I felt in a long time in my life that I finally feel free in lots of different ways to try and change my circumstances to try and live a different kind of life with different kinds of things in my life with more of the things that I love and less of the things that grind me down and that I'm going to be treating this year kind of like a gamble like the first half of the year I'm going to be all or nothing, throw everything in. And then the second half of the year, I'm either going to have got myself into a position where I am being sustained from my art and I can move out of London and be a freelancer in a different town where I have to pay less rent. Or... I will be in a circumstance where I move out of London and find a day job, maybe a part-time day job if I'm lucky, maybe a full-time day day job if I'm lucky. Maybe there won't be any kind of job and I'll just be struggling in a different place. But either way, I have the power to make that change and that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to be starting that new year with a lot of things that I can't talk to you about, but I'll talk to you about them uh, as soon as I can. Um, If they ever come to anything, they may never be worth talking to you about. I hope that... You've all survived Christmas. That's a, a tough one sometimes for many, many people. I hope you also survived New Year. New Year can also be a tough time for people for many different reasons. And so for those of you that it's been tough for uh, for this season, uh, my, my solidarity and my, my sympathy and my thoughts... And for those of you who've had a great time and are crashing back into the real world, now your free time has gone, Uh, again, solidarity, sympathy, thoughts with you. For those of you who can take chances and can take risks uh, like I can, remember that's a privilege and try and help other people up where you can. Like if you do get to where you want to get to, I'm saying this to to remind me as well, if I ever do get to where I want to get to, give back, give back financially give back in terms of mentorship uh, and just give back in terms of you know whatever ways you can find um, that's what I intend to do of course I'm not telling you what to do with your lives do what you want with your lives um, but consider these suggestions of mine I guess I will certainly be considering them and trying to live them out um, so this has been a much longer rambling new year message from me than i'd intended but it's probably about as long as i expected uh i don't know how to end so i'm gonna end with uh, a poem which i found written in a note on my phone and i wrote in 2015 around new year i don't remember writing it i don't know if i've ever read it out anywhere and i think i like it but it is a little bit dramatic a little bit like me so I'm going to end with that and I'm going to say goodbye before I do. There'll be links to everything that I've mentioned in the show notes, as per usual. You can find Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at GBA podcast you can like getting better acquainted on facebook you can find getting better acquainted on soundcloud on apple podcasts or itunes depending on how you think of it or what you call it or anywhere else that podcasts go to hang out with each other on the internet you can reach me by email at gbapodcast at gmail.com i'm on twitter at GooseFat101, where you can chat with me about anything you'd like to chat with me about. Next week, we'll be returning to the normal format of the show, so bit of a time to put in that re- revelation. But if you've been listening all of this time, and this is the first episode of Game Bear Acquainted you've listened to, and you're like, this is what this podcast is, just this guy rambling about his life that I don't really have any connection to. Don't worry, normally I have conversations with people, that's mainly what the show is. But next week we'll be returning back to the general format of this show. I hope this episode has been tolerable, and I hope it's tolerable for me when I listen back to it uh, when I'm editing it. So I'm going to say goodbye and remind you that there are lots of ways to get better acquainted, and then finish with this poem. A year doesn't end with its last second. It never really ends at all. This life we have is filled with horror and it is also beautiful. This world we have is a mirror. It's cracked and it shines. We hold it up to our faces as we move through time.